0: The Celtics and Sixers will go 7 after a clutch Boston performance in Game 6 down in Philadelphia. This is the Press Pass. I am Chris Ryan. Well, the Boston Celtics were on the brink of elimination in the Game 6 down in Philadelphia. Nothing was going right for Jason Tatum, who struggled Mightily going one of thirteen from the field for, uh, through the first three quarters of the game, but down the stretch, Tatum came alive. Three consecutive three pointers down the stretch of the game went in for Tatum to help the Celtics pull away in the final corner quarter, quarter. He shot four of five from deep and a perfect four of four from the free throw line. Celtics win, ninety five, eighty six. Here is Jason Tatum.
1: You know I got to give a lot of credit to my teammates, right? They. Um, we're extremely vocal throughout the game, right? Um, encouraging. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm, being transparent, that shit was frustrating, right? You want to win so bad, you want to play so well, and you know, shots not falling, things just not necessarily going your way, and you want it, you want it so bad. Um, but trying to stay present, trying to stay in the moment, trying and do other things. Um, and every timeout, every huddle, you know, my teammates telling me the next one going in, there, keep you know, rebounding, keep getting assists, keep getting blocks, um, keep impacting the game. It's going to come, it's going to come. So that, you know, that was helpful. And just believing that, you know, um, the next one is going in. um, It's kind of as simple as that. Um, And really all it took was one to kind of like, you know, get that off my back. um, And, you know, try to help the team, you know, come out here with a win.
0: Celtics made a lineup change as Rob Williams, who played less than usual in game number five, started in game number six. Marcus Smart has scored a team high for the Boston Celtics, 22 points along with seven assists and seven rebounds. Talked a little bit about Joe Missoula and Missoula's decision making.
2: I was ecstatic about it. You know, um, to be able to have Rob in there, he, he changed the game. Um, a lot, um, you know, being able to, to, to have a lob threat, um, a rim threat to be able to protect the rim on the other end, um, he's huge for us. And, uh, you know, I was, I was proud to have him on the court, you know, and that just goes to show, you know, Joe's learning um, just like all of us, you know, I know he's been killed a lot, um, rightfully so. You know, he he needs to make some adjustments and he's did that. And that's all you can ask for. Just continue to be the best he can be. And uh, it takes everybody. It's a full team
0: effort. Rob Williams, 10 points and nine boards. A tied for team high with Marcus Smart with a plus 18 in this contest. Jalen Brown had 17 for the season. A little message, which I think really rings true about Celtics fans going into game seven.
1: I'm hoping that it's gonna be loud and it's gonna be rocking, you know? Um, Celtics fans, they, 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 y'all love to call us out, right? Um, so uh, I'm gonna call you guys out um, this time. Like, Energy in the garden has been okay at best, all playoffs. Game seven, I expect, if you're there or if you're not there, if you're in your home, if you're watching at a bar, if you're watching down the street at a friend's house, I don't care, I need you to be up. I need you to come with the energy because we don't need every bit of it. Um, no excuses. We need everybody. So I'm calling you guys out. Let's make sure the garden is ready to go.
0: Celtics certainly didn't give their fans much to cheer about when it came to game number five. Of this series, the Celtics lost that one one fifteen to one hundred three game. Not even as close as the score indicated. Celtics did not play well. Their role players, secondary players, did not play well in that game either. And uh, we'll take a look at how we got to this point and got to Game Seven. Now here's Joe Missoula heading into the Celtics Game Six.
2: I mean, it's up to all of us uh, collaboration. I think it's more about finding uh, what does it feel like and what is it when we when we play out our best and whatever that is it's it's, we have 24 hours to get to that and so i think it's more uh, about focusing on that than it is going out of your way to do something that might be inauthentic uh, to the environment
0: you mentioned after your game one the team was pissed off angry um and wanted to you know return to their form is that the sense you're getting about the mood of the guys going into this one where do you sense they're at
2: i would sense a little bit of that i think it's more uh togetherness uh and just a clear understanding uh where we're at and what we need to do uh to get a win.
0: Joe there's obviously a big disparity between the output of you know their role players secondary scoring in uh in game five as compared to yours was that just mismake or did you notice something else there? Yeah I mean
2: I think um you know Harris and Maxi uh got going uh Maxie obviously got going there and that's the that's the Three hundred monster that they have and that's the balance that you got to do such a good job on Harden and beat. and at the same time you can't lose sight of, of Maxi either and so you know when we're at our best we're detailed uh, we execute the game plan and um, you know I think we had some solid overall possessions defensively but too many um, empty possessions on the offensive end and this team is very very good in our half their half court offenses if you have those empty possessions they put a ton of pressure on your half court defense.
0: Celtics role players respond. In this game, Derek White had nine points, Malcolm Brogdon, 16 points, and Robert Williams, 10 points for the Boston Celtics. Meanwhile, you didn't get the same output from the bench of the Philadelphia 76ers in this contest, and Tobias Harris had only two points for Philadelphia. Here's the MVP of the league in Sixers center, Joel Embiid, on the Sixers game five win. Hey, Joel, two uh, questions in one here. First off... Um, Defensively, what were you guys able to do tonight to get them out of rhythm, and particularly limit the uh, the kind of their secondary scoring role players like Al and, and Malcolm and, and Derek from having success? And also, what's it going to take to
3: close them out and get over the hump against this team? I think one of the key things is that uh, we scored, so they had to play a lot of times uh, against our half-court defense, and our half-court defense is pretty good, and. Um, I think they know too. Uh, that's why they're, a lot of times they're trying to push the pace uh, a little more just to get in transition and get easy baskets. Um, so I thought, you know, we've we've done a pretty good job, you know, in the half court. Uh, so, you know, going into, you know, next game is the same thing. You know, got to be aggressive, got to jump on them, got to be as physical as possible. Uh, tonight, I thought we made a bunch of dumb plays you know we allowed them to you know get to the free throw line a lot uh especially uh jt um with, you know he's always throwing his arms arms up uh you know down every single time he drives to the rim so you gotta you know get away from bridging and uh and i'm always coming anyway so um just let me do my job of protecting the rim so i thought we made a lot of mistakes um you know in that part um uh, but for the most part um you know, we guarded the ball. Uh like I said, we limited the three point attempts, um and uh, you know, uh, and the only way to do that is, you know, by guarding your own men and keeping your own men in front of you so you don't you know, you don't, you know, force yourself into rotations and uh I thought, you know, you know, all the guys, you know, everybody that played, um, you know, especially uh like D House, um, someone who hasn't played, you know, a lot the whole season and in the playoffs, uh, you know, to, to just come in and be ready uh, to give us what he, what he did was huge for us.
0: We heard Marcus Smart reference earlier, Joe Mazzulla getting killed in the media for his coaching in this series. And one of the biggest reasons was that he did not call a timeout, at the end of overtime in game four. Initially, he said he didn't have regret about it. Then the day later, he did have regret about it.
2: Um, Yeah, you uh, something we talked about all year um I trust our guys uh to make the right play uh preventing the other team from getting matchups off the floor prevents the other team from getting their defense organized and um hindsight's always twenty twenty. so it sounds good to say yes we should have done this but uh we've prepared all year as a team to be able to take advantage of those situations uh more times than not it worked out for us uh, I thought at the end of regulation uh, it worked out we got the last shot which is what you want you know you don't want to give them an opportunity to at uh, the end of overtime, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I should have called it to help us get a two-for-one or get a couple more possessions. Um, and so, you know, obviously with 14 seconds left down one, you want to get as many chances as you can. So, you know, I'll definitely learn from that.
0: Just on that point, uh, once again, you mentioned that you fostered throughout the year had been not to call a timeout in those situations, but you, in hindsight, looked at it a little bit differently um, after game four. What kind of jumped out at you and made you change your mind in regard to what you should have done?
2: I mean, hindsight, probably you just learn, you know, obviously if it doesn't go well, it's a mistake. And so, um, you know, I think the two lessons that you learn from that are, you know, call it right away. Get get a two for one, get two shots, get a couple extra possessions Um, or, you know, we have to have a clear understanding as a team that we got to go faster to get a shot. And we've done both over the course of the season. Um, You know, we just didn't execute either one in that particular situation. But, um, you know, in that standpoint, once we're losing pace, I got to call it
0: um, so we can get a shot up earlier. Um, Just on James Harden for a second, obviously look at the production differences in one and four versus two and three. What do you see you guys doing well against him in the second and third game and uh, what obviously needs to improve, you know, in in the fifth in order to uh, minimize his uh, output?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think just continue to um, be effective on the Harden MB pick and rolls. And then when we get into isolation situations, doing a great job uh, forcing them inside three and trying to take away some of the, uh, his threes trying to take away some of his isolations.
0: Up to Sixers head coach Doc Rivers about Missoula. Doc, what's stood out to you about Joe Missoula and his coaching style? And he also acknowledged regret about not calling a timeout at the end of overtime. I, I wouldn't Would it... have if I was him.
4: Okay. You know, you live with what you, you know, the decision you make. Uh, they have two incredible players, and I thought Joe was right. They had they had a hell of a matchup advantage, you know. So um, I think he was just being nice, you know.
0: Is it what goes into acknowledging something like that as a coach? And are you a person that you know likes to say I made a mistake, or is it is it best to kind of just power forward?
4: You do both. You know, when you make a mistake, and it's obviously you say you made a mistake. And when you don't think a mistake, you don't say you made a mistake. You know, um, it doesn't matter. Um, at the end of the day, everyone's not going to agree with with your decisions, whether you're right or wrong or if it works or not so you just got to keep doing your job I, I think Joe's done a great job in that he really has um he doesn't get flustered you know he's got a great calm about him um and he commands the room he mentioned he likes
0: to dictate as opposed to react are you in the same mindset there where you're not necessarily coaching against him but you
4: want to you know, well we reach- all like to dictate if we can you know but sometimes you have no choice if you get foul trouble or a guy on the other team is playing well then you're reacting um you know sometimes you can control by uh substitutions you know but we react and we did i think you do both doing every game you just keep doing what you have to do to win that game
0: here's more from joe missoula Joe, what's the uh, matchup been like with Doc Rivers, and what's kind of the dynamic for you in going up against an opposing coach? Is there a lot of anticipation of what the other individual is going to do, reaction to Doc going against him, and just how do you, you know, play the X and O's game against an opposing coach?
2: Uh, I think you focus on your team, your strengths, understanding there's going to be adjustments, whether it's with the sub-pattern, whether it's with uh, you know tendencies out of ATOs. Um, you know, how can we make sure we have the right matchup every single possession? Um, and so I think you just kind of focus on your team's strengths, what you're great at, um, what you can do well, what you can do better. And then looking at the film and anticipating uh, some trends that might come out of, you know, what are their, you know, like I said, their ATO tendencies or targets. Um, their lineups change in the first half, second half, just little stuff
0: like that. And just, Doc, as a, as a coach, what stands out about his strengths?
2: He's a great coach, Um, puts his players in position to be successful, has great relationships with them, constantly communicating with them.
0: Uh, He's a great coach. Now, of the Boston Red Sox, who opened up a three-game set against the St. Louis Cardinals, have been very disappointing this year, just as the Red Sox have been the exact opposite. Many folks not expecting much, myself included, from the Red Sox this season. But to date, Red Sox have been one of the better teams in baseball. A big reason for that, in my view, is Kenley Jansen having that stability in the back end of having one of the great all-time closest guy that's likely headed to the Hall of Fame and achieved his 400th career save This week has certainly stabilized the bullpen for the Red Sox this season. An opportunity to sit down with Kenley Jansen of the Red Sox. Kenley, first off, you know, the back. Was it more precautionary and just trying to get things right? Obviously, the back's a difficult injury to deal with, particularly for a pitcher.
5: No, I mean, it it did lock up. You know, like, I I can't hide that, you know? So, um, it locked up, I mean, in Cleveland, you know, we do a lot of treatment this last, like, what, four or five days now. And, you know, we're going to try it tonight, you know? Cutters looks great
0: this year. It's such yeah. a heavy cutter. And d- does it feel like you've kind of found that, that pitch again? Is it is it better than, you know, it's been over the last couple of years, you
5: feel like? Yeah, it's definitely way better than the next couple of years. I mean, I, yeah, of course. You know, you want to – for me to keep playing this game, I want to be at my best. And, you know, like, um, obviously, like, you know, 21, 22, much better cutting. cutting. But you know you don't want to keep going to the past. But you know, obviously, 19 and 20 wasn't as a great cutter. Um, even 21, 22, I wasn't satisfied. So I just want to, you know, continue to work on it and, and have a better season. And you know that's why I did. And um, you know, and it's, it's working out so well for me this year. How have you adapted to the the pitch clock? It feels like you're, you're you hold the front
0: leg a little bit longer, maybe in the past, and that's been one of the ways that you've kind of been able to to adapt and, and and deal with the uh the restrictions
5: um well the pitch clock well that's you know i definitely kind of tweak my delivery a little bit and you know get it in the best way for my cut to be and my my fastball can be in the best position so that's more to do with that yeah, than yeah, the yeah, the yeah, clock yeah, yeah not the clock i mean the clock is way uh, i believe the clock is a little bit beneficial to me that you sometimes you don't overthink the game too much you know um, when you're in there you just you know you have an idea. You see, and you pay attention on the hitter, and you have an idea what you want to do out there. If I want to throw the cutter, to similar slider, um, but definitely it's a little bit beneficial. I feel like you know, just you know, get in there and fire. And of course, you know, I still had to believe that hitters still don't like it a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's the information that I'm seeing. But um, it's been it's been great, man. I mean, I, I challenged myself to be. You know, I was the slowest guy. I want to be the really best guy out of it also, too. So I, challenge, I definitely challenge myself on it. I think it would be a great point
0: about hitters because hitters would use just stepping out, batting gloves, all that to disrupt the pitcher's you know tempo in the past. It kind of took away that advantage of quick workers. And kind of just generally, a you know, pitcher has the ball and you're in control, and the hitters are kind of taking that away. So you feel like it's actually...
5: Hurt them more than the pitchers. Yeah, of course. Because last year when I saw myself on TV, that I was what 20, 20, 28 seconds average, something like that, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, and worse guys on base. Yes. So, what I did in Atlanta, my left, my my, my 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 few months, I was on the rubber, and you could tell like hitters take their time, you know, a lot, you know, to get in the batting box. So, you know, I know it's going to be a struggle for both of us because we don't have a timeout; they have one and um it's definitely new, you know fifteen seconds you know you feel like you're under restriction, nobody wants to be under restriction, and you know it's definitely challenging for both sides of it and obviously like I make my adjustment and i'm having fun with it and having a good time with it. Mound presence a lot of the old school pitchers you know the lee smiths the goose gossages going back in the
0: day closers would talk about what being intimidating is that something you know for you as well where you kind of you're a big dude you want to exude that kind of you know toughness
5: and um create an environment where the hitter is uncomfortable i mean i think it's it's it's, it's for you guys to say that you know um but I like just coming at hitters. Like, hitters know that, too. Like, I don't fear nobody a bit, and I'm not expecting them to fear me either. And, you know, I'm, I'm – listen, man, it's a battle. Like, I'm I'm coming at you. Um, I don't care who you are. I'm coming at you. So, um, that's the game set I'm going to have out there. If if they feel fear or whatever, I, I don't know. It's up to you guys, and you guys could tell me more. But – when I'm out there man it's just game you know game like I'm coming at you like you know it's a battle. Final things on Connor Wong,
0: um, what have you thought of him about him as a receiver what's his strengths, his weaknesses and kind of generally what do you look for in a, a catcher that you like throwing to
5: you know he's been doing a great job you know to be honest with you I mean both of them but Connor Wong is also you know did a great job you know learning the pitching staff and you know start having really good bats out there also too and I'm happy to have both of them, you know. So to see how much work both of them is putting in, and, and especially Connor one putting good work in, and you know throwing guys out, you know blocking balls in the plate. I mean, I can't give him only credit. I give both of them credit, but you know I'm proud of what Connor is doing out there. You know, he's been doing a very great job. What are you looking for in a,
0: a good receiver, so that you have confidence in them, and kind of they bring out the best in you?
5: Yeah, I mean, that's you just just get the best out of me, you know. So, try to get most pitch, you know, for a strike, you know. Um, Boss was close in the zone, you know, try to sell it to the Empire. She just called a strike, you know. So, um, like I say, man, he's doing a terrific job, and, and Reese also is doing a really good job. Red Sox
0: closer Kenley Jansen right there also spoke with the aforementioned Connor Wong. What's been going right? How have you guys been able to put together this type of momentum?
6: Uh, I think, you know, we're just doing a really good job offensively and, and, you know, making pitches when we have to. I think, you know, everyone's feeding off each other. Uh, we got a good thing going right now and just trying to keep it rolling.
0: Obviously you've had a big role offensively and being able to stretch out this lineup. What's been going right for you at the plate and how have you
6: kind of found your, your niche here in the big leagues uh, driving the baseball? Um, mostly timing. Uh, timing and trust, you know, that the work I'm putting in before games and in practice is is gonna help me have success in the games do
0: you feel like your defense particularly in your ability to throw out runners you know call a good game did that kind of solidify you know your spot here and then your offense has kind of come as a result of maybe being a little more comfortable and getting that timing down
6: I think it definitely helped I mean you know I think the most consistent thing should be defense. You know, you're going to have your ups and downs at the plates, but, you know, you can always play good defense and, you know, play hard. So, uh,
0: you know. You've been throwing out runners at a pretty good clip. What's been the key there? Obviously the pitchers are hugely important in holding guys, but it
6: seems like your pop time's good, release is good. Just consistent with the footwork um, and, and just trying to make accurate throws, not, you know, trying to do more than I have to. Um, you know, and obviously the the middle infielders are really good at putting tags down. So
0: how do you create comfort with with pitchers and how do you kinda nurture develop that relationship so guys, you know, want to throw to you or comfortable throwing to you and can, you know, be the, the best version themselves?
6: I, I think it's that. I mean obviously communication is important but you know, knowing what their stuff does and knowing what they want to do to guys and then helping them get to those points so they don't really have to think in the games. You think is important.
0: Do you have particular catchers that you you know watched growing up, modeled yourself after a little bit? And obviously you you've adapted to the position, but in doing so, were there particular guys or individuals that helped you make that adaptation?
6: Yeah, I think the style of catching is different now. But I you know growing up in Houston, I watched Brad Ausmus a lot, and he's like in this little ball formation. He's really, um, really good receiver um but I mean now that the catchers are more athletic, the thing you know moves are different. So you just kind of like you know seeing who's the best and seeing what they're doing, what you're not doing, seeing and then trying some of the things that they do to see if you can implement it into your game, see if it can help out.
0: It's Red Sox catcher Connor Wong right there. Chris Sale gets the ball today for the Red Sox. he's been very solid for the team over his last now three starts. You've been frustrated after a lot of your outings. Did you kind of need to see the, the results and be your vintage self to some extent to know the, the work is, is paying off and to build confidence?
7: I don't think it takes bad outings to really need to do good. You know, this is this is the big leagues, dog. <laughs> um, you got to do good every time out. There's no leniency. Uh, you know, especially with who I'm supposed to be on this team. Um, you know, I, I could go on a run of throwing nine complete game shutouts, and on that tenth one, I got to go out there and be great. So, um, good games, bad games, it doesn't doesn't really dictate what my next outing does. You know, I got to go be who I have to be every time out.
0: When it comes to repeating your delivery, has that always been kind of you know a thing, given your length, or is that more related to you know the time you've had off?
7: Uh, definitely the time off. You know, I've I've always done a, a really good job of repeating my mechanics. Um, I think that's what's given me success in the past and, um, you know, before the last few years, the durability, you know, aspect of it. So, you know, for me, it's just getting back to that. Repeat my mechanics, most things are going to fall in line. Obviously, it's, it's always a work in progress, but um, the more I can stay on top of those things, the more I will be successful, for sure.
0: Chris Sale right there. Patriots schedule dropped this week and uh, a lot to look forward to for Patriots fans. First off, the season starts against the Philadelphia Eagles at home. Tom Brady expected to be in attendance for that one. Week four, Patriots go to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Bills make an appearance in Foxborough on the 22nd. That's in Week 7 at 1 p.m. Patriots in Germany to take on the Colts at 9.30 a.m. in Week 10. Patriots then get a bye in Week 11 and take on the Giants in Jersey on November 26th at 1. Finally, Super Bowl champions come to Foxborough on Monday night, the 18th of December at 8.15 as the Chiefs are in town to play the Pats. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Press Pass. I'm Chris Ryan.